following is KPB MediaWorks production. Choose your fighter. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody doing that, so I'm not sure. Uh, doing that's something new or just for just podcasts or well yeah man i mean it's still a podcast by all means more people listen than watch but i could understand why people love the love the video factor of it yeah and uh speaking of which man uh shocks uh, retro retro gaming bites yes we know how the gaming community is you've been around there a long time how hard is it to try to get some kind of traction on Twitch, especially with retro games where, you know, that community is very finicky about things. I love the fact that you're using nothing but original hardware because a lot yeah. of those people, they do use emulators, but you're legit using Sega Genesis, uh, Saturn's, uh, Super Nintendo's, the actual hardware, like, you know, those old Super Nintendo Genesis uh, arcade sticks. So why did you go that route? Uh, well, a few years ago, uh, I decided to get into the whole like retro gaming uh, community a little bit, just kind of getting my, my feet wet. And uh, I got a couple systems modded, uh, and I basically figured out the, the shortest route to get the, the highest quality image out of everything that I had currently. And, um, you know, I just was like, you know, I might as well stream from this stuff. And because I, I prefer, you know, playing on the original consoles. Controllers, I mean, yeah, I can, you know, hit or miss. Um, I'm working on something right now to get um, basically like USB support, uh, like, a, like a converter sort of like what I use on my, my UMK3 board. For So basically you, you, you connect USB to uh, an adapter, then sends it directly to the board so it's like a decoder instead of an encoder right whereas everybody was doing you know ps2 to usb now it would be like usb to genesis or super nintendo and there's some options out there for Are it but using, I, think I have is it s video or something else or do you have one of those uh rgb modded uh super nintendos so that's yeah that's for the the video out but um that's uh that's gart which is like a european standard yeah isn't that like the best of the best I don't know for certain. I, I would assume uh, that SCART and perhaps just like raw like B and C video, which would be like sort of like component, but just just a straight up video signal. Dude, SCART, man, jeez, I, I remember seeing that uh, yeah. a couple of years ago on the internet, and God bless those people, man. They 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 really know how to get the most out of their systems. But like you said, it's a European standard thing. And I do yeah. remember reading about it, how the picture is like really, really good, especially for retro systems. Yeah, it, it's just so crisp. It, it looks, I mean, it looks like it's it's on an emulator. That's basically it. Like the, the raw video that you see on an emulator where it's just like everything is extremely like high contrast. There's no you know pixel bleeding or anything. Getting that from like an analog signal and then like converting it to digital to get it onto the computer for the stream, it still looks good, but I have it set up so that the signal goes back to analog for the television that I use it on. So it's like, it's the best quality that I can get. And there's, you know, there's a bit of nuance to it and setting up everything and getting the, um, the signal to be right on both screens 
So it's a bunch of adapters, and it's, it gets expensive. But once you get everything set and you get past that you know, initial barrier and, and cost and everything, it just like it's the only way to, to, to play these games, in my opinion, especially if you're doing – I mean, I haven't gotten into anything like speed runs, but doing it emulated, yeah, I think people prefer it to be on the actual consoles. So I'll, I'll look into some kind of – at least like my own like personal bests. But yeah, that's gonna be down the line a little bit, and um, yeah. But otherwise, like like I was saying before about the controllers, is um, I'm I'm working on getting that so that I can use like a real stick for some of these old fighting games instead of using like the because it because it's like the, the the original consoles they they weren't intended to have. Oh, of know, course like, not. No. So of they, course, so not. It, I could imagine what is it full of lag or re- unresponsive. Uh, it, it's I mean, just the, the the it's it's just suboptimal. We'll say it's it's you're used to you know these the, like the the certain feel and response and everything like physically. Whereas like the buttons are like like inherently like sticky a little bit. They don't really yes, you can't are. like tap them as fast. You know, and and the the sticks themselves are a little bit softer. There's not you, you can't really it's, yeah. They it's feel like gummy, don't they? Gummy, exactly. Kind of like if anybody w- would be familiar with the difference between playing on, say, uh, like a Street Fighter cabinet, Mortal Kombat cabinet on one of those like hap you know competition or ultimate sticks. Yes. And then playing on like a Simpsons or Ninja Turtles cabinet where you have like those lollipop ones. Yeah, yeah. And those four are... Ways. What, what's that? Uh, like four-way sticks, right? Yeah, th- those are just... They're softer because, first off, for like noise, the buttons and the sticks are softer on those. And um, I think also for like longevity because it's just... There's there's just so much use. It's just like you're constantly, you know, slamming like directions and holding directions for like long periods of time. But... But that's kind of how the sticks were for the the home systems. There's a few that are actually pretty good. I do have one for um, Nintendo and Super Nintendo, uh, and that one's pretty decent. It's not it's not too bad. It's not the worst thing, but much better than the majority of the stuff. I mean, we do have to remember this is the '90s, and yeah. kind of like uh, with movies and just everything in general, you know, all these accessories were being made, so you never really know what was the best of the best, especially like you said, for these systems that were never meant to really use this kind of technology at the time. Because remember, arcade systems were still so far ahead of what we had at home at that time. You're basically experiencing that right now, you know, giving um, giving the retro gaming bites to your audience, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was always basically a, a courtesy to the, to the, like the hardcore arcade audience. It's, it's still the same today, basically. But... um. And you have mentioned uh, costs, uh, you yeah. know, obviously you're trying to link newer technology with that older technology and you touched up on it. It's uh, it's not something that could be done cheaply. You have to get the right wires, right equipment to hopefully get the best, the best possible, um, the best possible signal image, because in the world of streaming, that's what it is. You know, you want to you want to give it the most the, the best optimized uh uh, for your viewers, yeah, I'm I'm basically I would say halfway between like an entry level console streamer and a, like a professional. It's like the the way that most people would do it is just converting the like standard composite signal to HD and 
you still have to go through some hoops just to to get that and but people wouldn't be playing on like a CRT they would just be playing on another like flat screen just splitting the HDMI which is just not again we'll use the phrase it's not optimal it's suboptimal but I'm I'm going the the step ahead in in either modding consoles or getting the proper cables to do the the RGB output so like for example the original Nintendo, the front-loading Nintendo with the with the door that flaps up, like that is just a composite or RF signal only by default. So you'd have to mod one of those to uh, to RGB, um, and they have mods that that go straight to component because RGB and component they're just like to the to the like human eye or whatever you know, so the, the layman they they look exactly the same. But there's a difference with the signal. But uh, some TVs can receive that. Like there, are, there are SCART televisions. You could, you can buy one. You know, probably have to get one shipped over here. But they would just take the SCART directly in. So that, and if you weren't recording, boom, you're you're good. Like you're playing on a nice high resolution CRT monitor. You know, with the SCART input, or you get like an RGB. It's the same thing for like a like a PVM, like one of those like heavy duty boxy monitors. Like that are hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, to this day, um, you know. But that's that's like the way you do you do it is on, on a on a PVM with B and C, and then you take your other half of your signal, and then however you get that to your capture card, that's that's what you would go with. But right now, I got a, you know decent setup. I use the um, the open source scan converter, which uh, which is a basically like a multi-in device for raw video signals like VGA, RGB S, technically they call RGB S and uh, S. What's that? RGB S? Yeah, so so like I said, RGB is like just just the regular like terminology that people use but technically it's like, it's so it's capital RGB and then the lowercase s you'll see is that like specifically denotes you know, that it's that, that that raw signal, which I guess technically is, is BNC. I'm I'm still learning this stuff, but S stands for sync. Basically, it's just it's just a different like a different like level, you know, a video. And your component would be I, I don't think it's technically encoded or anything like that because it's it's analog. I could be wrong on that. Like I said, I'm not I'm not like an expert on this stuff. I'm I'm really just you know at that point where it's like okay, I can. I can do this and I can get a stream going for it, but like I couldn't really like put together any like like complicated, you know, uh like rig for one of these things. It's just like I know what I know what works for me, but it probably isn't ideal. Uh and I'm learning it, you know, through the local the local scene in, in Brooklyn here. Um oh, okay. they have like a they have like a really knowledgeable community and I'm you know, I'm getting I'm getting there. Do you do your own modding, or do you send it over to somebody to do it for you? I send it out because it's that's something I, I never got into. I would like to because I have definitely some, you know, some desire to to mod like Nintendo's the top the top loader one specifically is, is like the best to mod, and then basically just flipping those you know buy some of those mod them. People pay big bucks for for modded consoles because you get one and you're playing on it. You're like ah, oh, this is like terrible to play on you know a, a flat screen tv with a you know with a hdmi upscaler it's it looks okay but you know it's still just it's still just not 
you know, it's just not perfect. Oh, no, trust me, man. I know. Uh, I recently have gotten into the Game Gear, which is, you know, it was a really good system for what it was. Uh, yep. I mean, Game it made Gear batteries was... like crazy. Yeah, Game Gear was a, it was technically slightly better than the um, the Master System, but it was it was a portable Master System. Yeah, but, man, the, you know, the biggest, the biggest exporter or... However you want to say for uh, modding, it's literally over in Europe, and those guys have reverse engineered the heck out of that machine. They've uh, they made uh, upgradable LCD screens that basically have no lag to it, where you can mod it yourself. Yep. Uh, somebody's coming out with a, a battery pack, not like the old one that I think kind of blew up the old ones. Uh, you know, I got this technology from the '90s, yeah, and I I believe that's going to be coming out soon. But uh, yeah, man. The aftermarket modding of retro systems, just to get it to play perfectly well on a flat screen, which is what everybody wants to do. Because, you know, I'm sure you've heard it. Why the heck would you do this when you could just have an emulator? It's easy. It's uh, affordable. It's yeah. uh, nice and simple plug and play. But obviously, there's a lot of people who want these systems, obviously, for nostalgia reasons. And just to have it on modern screens... And I just only mentioned the Game Gear. Uh, obviously, like you said, the top loader NESs, um, Sega Master Systems, all those systems. You know, you could you could get them modded and just relive a lot of the glory days. But now in HD, without no without no lag at all. Yeah. The um. So for me, I I prefer playing on uh, like a CRT monitor. Um, that's just it for me. It's just like that's that's how it it, it looks the best. And I was originally just playing on like a like an Asus, and it was great response and everything. It was it's it's absolutely you know night and day, you know compared to just using like a like a basic upscaler uh, from like your your composite out. But I do like that a lot of these systems had this, and we just never knew. Um, like we were literally like you could have been I don't know twelve years old and playing on a Genesis. Uh, on of like a well, maybe not twelve, maybe more like late teens. I think when whatever component came out it was probably around like ninety nine, at least in the states. So probably like late mid to late teens, you could have a TV that was compatible with the signal and just use like a straight output cable. They were they they were out like they were available. It's just you had to know where to get them. You probably you probably had to find like one of those um sort of like uh I guess they 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 kind of just exist as websites now, but like a, like an AliExpress or maybe even, um, some, some place where they can out outsource, you know, things that, that like you wouldn't really be able to find in the States. You probably have to go to even like a micro center or something like that. And then they would know like where to get it from unless they, they already had it. And then you could have been playing these in, in high quality even back then. Uh, as long as the television was compatible with the signal. And it's funny to, 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 to realize that that's a thing. Like, even with the UMK3 board that I have, like I have to like kind of like jump through hoops to get that to display properly because of the the refresh rate for um, the arcade uh, Mortal Kombat games is just it's it's not normal. It's it's like a like an off number. Usually it's like 50 or 60 because that's like PAL and NTSC. But this is like for some reason they they use this like old Texas Instruments hardware from. Uh, from like the 80s to to run this stuff. So <laughs> in order to get it to display, you have to use something like the OSSC. Or there's probably other other things. I don't know if the Retro Tink would be able to to do that because that's pretty good at like autom automatically 
like finding like resolution and everything to get things to display without you having to configure anything but it's a little pricier but yeah that was uh that was a thing like so so now uh we're going through figuring out like what brand televisions are just compatible out of the box like if you want if you don't want to stream and you just want to get a board get the the breakout box you know for like min, the mini gun they call it just like a like a, i guess a downsized super gun and just plug in you know your scart cable or or some uh vga to um you know to component you know input or at least it would be like rgbs but it just boom it just works and so far we found like a few brands that are good which is amazing to know that you don't you know you don't have to do that and you could have done this stuff back in the day with the old consoles do you guys does that community uh you said you're actively uh you know working with the with the community over in brooklyn the the retro community do you guys uh do they consider themselves uh preservationists like you know preservation society for old school games or are um, a lot of them just looking uh you know for a quick flip because uh, like we said people love you know they want these things to work on modern on yeah. modern televisions with modern equipment so where does the retro community, from what you've gathered, where do they sit? Are, do they consider themselves a preservation society, or they're just doing it for the fact that people want this stuff? Uh, you know what? I've never heard them really like speak about it in either, either respect. It's definitely a passion project to to get the stuff working, and if you can like get you know get access to like a lot of systems like cheaply and then sell them you know, for, for like, you know, a nice chunk, it's, you know, that's, that's always a good thing to keep you motivated. But from the start, like people were just doing this because it's just, they just wanted to get it to work. And now that it's, there's enough brains working at this stuff, not like enough, like basically like, you know, computing of the mind going on and, and figuring out like more like optimized, you know, ways to do things. And like, I just had um, my um, NES top loader uh, fixed because the, uh, the red, signal of the rgb had failed because of one of the i guess one of the capacitors on the board went and uh the way the cables work uh has a different alignment for the, i guess the power again this is stuff that i'm not like deeply right. familiar with it's just i'm, I'm like kind of learning it so he basically just uh jose from brooklyn games he just like removed them as they were and then matched them to be how like the standard SCART cables work, which is, I guess, a, a better way to do it, which I don't know if he knew that before that. It was, you know, it's, that's the kind of things that you learn as you go. Now, I only brought that, I only brought that up because I don't know if you heard of the Game Preservation Society. I, uh, you know, just my uh, travels through Twitter, through, uh, through the internet, some of the people that I've interviewed on here, I stumbled upon them. And man, I gotta tell you, if you're really into retro games and just the idea of preservation for uh, you know for the future, you gotta check them out, man. They're not very active on Twitter. I don't know where else they would be. They active. They're actively preserving Japanese retro games from the 70s and 80s as cultural okay. assets. And some of the stuff that they do, man, you know, it's old, uh, these old discs and everything like that. The stuff that they do just to preserve this stuff, it really is amazing, man. They're just taking it to a completely different level. Uh, you know, the stuff you and me have seen before, it's pretty awesome. Uh, we already talked about the Genesis uh, Super Nintendo, but these are like 
old 70s, 80s Japanese arcade boards that I never even knew existed. I, I, you know, that's just something I never really looked for because I'm really, uh, like, like you, I grew up in the 90s arcade scene. But what they do over there, man, it's just amazing. If anybody is really into that stuff, you know, check them out. They're called the Game Preservation Society. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it looks like they're not limited to the actual, like, hardware. They're, they actually are, like, archiving, like, information, like, catalogs and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, books and everything. It's it's pretty deep here, it looks like. It's, you know, tens of thousands of pieces of, of material. And I think one of the main heads of the project is some French guy who just happens to love video games, and now he lives over in Japan. And he realized that I, I, I saw the video a couple of weeks ago. I'm just like vaguely remembering it, but uh, he saw he went to a couple of places where these ran down machines, and he's like, "Hey, what is this?" He thought it was a pachinko machine. Okay. You know, and he's like, "Oh no, that's just an old uh, video game system that came out, and you know, it's just sitting there, it's running there, nobody cares." You know, he joined the uh, he joined the organization as trying to get the word out there. It's it's pretty incredible stuff, man. Especially yeah. since we're talking about here, you know, RGB. This is literally the the technology before the nineties, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is this is pretty interesting stuff. I'm I'm like catching up. I mean, everything they're doing makes makes sense. It's this is this is just something that's existed in, in all kinds of like forms of entertainment. Definitely, uh, man. It, it, it actually reminds me of uh, this great video I saw because I love cars, and uh, there's specifically uh, there's a video about classic cars over actually in Japan. Those ja those old Japanese like hot rod cars and everything, and there's a guy who restores them with all like all the newest bells and whistles. He basically takes the shell of an old car and puts it on the new one. A lot of people okay. do that stuff, and you know those cars are just classic. They have great lines, and then there's this other guy who literally he restores the cars by hand, the way they hmm. used to be made. And it takes that guy like almost five years just to finish one. But as you could imagine, wow. the money that he makes, it's like it's out of this world. He's just like one of these old craftsmen that you don't really see anymore. And you would think he's out of his mind. It's like, wait, what the, What are you doing? Just yep. do it. It's him and his hands and his tools. And that's it. He's, and he manages to make them completely to spec the way they left the, the showrooms. It, it's like completely two different worlds, man. Yes, it's like uh, like purist and, and preservationist. Definitely. Yeah, so what made you uh, want to get into the retro realm of streaming? I've seen you do um, called, uh, I've seen, obviously you, you did uh, some MK specifically, uh, what was it, the, the 32X? Yeah, uh, I just did uh, MK2 for 32X. Uh, I, had, I had streamed it probably about four years ago. And I figured I would just throw it out there again because um, I'm, I, I try to I try to at least throw fighting games in, you know, randomly every now and then to keep with the, you know, the the theme of being like a fighting game streamer. But you know, it's um, sometimes I'll get locked into a game that I want to beat, you know, and it'll take all week. Is that a bad stigma to have in the in the streaming world when you're trying to build an audience? It's like, oh, Shock is the Mortal Kombat guy. But people who know you know you're just a gamer. You love everything. How do you yeah, how do you I get mean, past I'm, that stigma? Uh, or so, is stigma a bad word to use there? Well, it's it is like a like a pigeonhole. Um, <laughs> yeah, better better use of words. To be like you know one like you know just one genre and not even one genre but like one 
franchise of one genre. Um, so, yeah, like, you, you can see, like, by the, the viewership, like, basically a- anything that I do is amplified if it's Mortal Kombat. So if, uh, if it's just, like, a late-night stream for... You know, I don't know who I was doing. Like, uh, Toe Jam and Earl. What's that? Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah, Toe Jam and Earl. You know, Yoshi's Island or Donkey Kong Country Three. I did. Uh, again, like I get like a, like a handful of, of views on that. But if we do Mortal Kombat, it's like triple. But then if I do a tournament and I'm streaming, I don't know, uh, like Pokin. You know, maybe that'll be like triple of my late night Mortal Kombat stream. But then if I do a Mortal Kombat stream, that's another, you know, triple quadruple of, of whatever the other one, you know, the, the tournament stream. So, so there's a, there's an absolutely like noticeable pattern and scale uh, to the interest. If I did a tournament for MK one, obviously, you know, th- that's the brand new game. You know, when it comes out, that'll be, you know that'll be the the litmus test to see if there's any still any interest in the, in the channel because it's really been a long time since we've done anything. Yeah, forgive cons- me. You said consistent. Mortal Kombat One, and I'm thinking Mortal Kombat One. I forgot MK One is coming yeah. out. Specify Mortal Kombat One. Yep. Um, <laughs> but um, that's you know that's you know it's 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 interesting to see that like we did um, we did NEC last year and we did an MK11 stream. And we got like a stunning amount of of views for the tournament for that, and I I have like some level of expectations for things. When you and say stunning, was, what do you like, mean? Because the game is such an end of life. Is is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. It 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 was like just a hundred times as many views as I expected. You know, that it was like completely mind boggling. Because you again, you can see. The um the pattern of viewership, and this was like completely like uh it must have been it must have been chilling on the like the the suggested view panel for a while, uh, and I can look at all those those details and see, but um it was like I don't know I figured I was like eh I was like it probably get like five hundred five hundred views or something because we we've been we've been out of the out of the picture for you know for almost three years at the time. Right. hadn't streamed any tournaments and it's an old game it wasn't like there were any like really like well-known players like it was just it's just you know and and you know i could see some of the, the the last streams i did say for um for mk and j you know just those numbers like sort of on the way out like in you know 2020 or 2019 like that summer and then it was like winter brawl 2020 like all those numbers like it was like, okay, I'm like, let's see what happens, and boom, all of a sudden, I'm like, I, I check him back, I'm like, wow, 5,000 views, I'm like, that's oh, wow. that's like nuts, and then like, I come back, and it's like, oh my god, 10,000 views, and then it's like, wow, 20,000 views, I'm like, okay, so it's like, I, I was like, it's probably done, I come back a month later, 40,000 views, and, and then it's like, okay, wow, that's, this is, this is like, there's something wrong here, because this is like, more than some of the tournaments we did when when the games were like popular you know and then i come back again at 60,000 views and then i come i'm like this is there's something wrong here I'm like, well, let me actually i can tell you right now do what you think here. it may have to do with the fact that mortal kombat competitively has you know it's becoming more international 
like the international block of players have grown where they have they could come over here and win these majors you know people uh where are those two players from the ones that the two brothers uh, are they twins i believe what uh, ketchup and mustard no 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 Wait. uh the, the spanish i i think they're from chile or maybe they're from peru no, I don't know who. No idea who. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I have not been keeping up with uh, MK11 for a good while, but I know, I know it's a set of brothers. Cause I know Ket- um, ketchup and mustard. They mainly commentate. They do still. Yeah. Um, they do still compete. But commentating and content creation is their thing nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but what I, was say, I, I forget, man. Um, I, I'm sure. I don't know who that is. I'd, I'd have to look into that. Cause uh, no, like I said, I've been completely out of the loop. I, I, I actually am, am setting up a, like a campaign to kind of like try re- reinvigorate things which i'm hoping to to get started i was hoping to do it tonight but i'm, I'm like running into some snags uh, maybe i'll post about it tomorrow but would yeah, you want uh, to come back uh, to streaming competitive mortal combat uh i mean it, it to me it would just be like you know for like a side gig at this point whereas like for like the first like half of the time i did it it was really just you know just for fun yeah yeah you know, and then this the second like ten years or so was was more like business, and it would just probably be just continuation of business. But um, that'd be fun. We'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm 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 getting ready to try to like relaunch the the network sort of the combat uh, network brand for for MK1. And if it's if there's no interest, there's no interest in it. That's, that's, you know, let's take the numbers out for a second. Like you said, sixty, fifty thousand. So is that uh, you, you right you, now? It's set. It, it's set seventy one thousand seven eighty three. Let's take those numbers out for no a second. No reason for that. <laughs> There's no reason for that? No reason for that. Uh, hey, maybe it's what I said. The international pool has grown, Could so be. you have people from all over the world looking at this stuff. And, Could you know, you I, guys... I, I can give you the analytics for it, but go ahead. Uh, but let, let, let's take the numbers out for a second. Do you... And, and let's pretend you're not... You know what? Let's keep it that way. You're going to want to go back to streaming um, competitive Mortal Kombat. Considering you do your Twitch show there, retro, uh, classic retro bites, and you've already are experienced streaming within this community, you know which one would which one did you find just to be more relaxing? You know, or is there one that basically gave you a little bit more stress? Because on one hand you are dealing with the FGC, and the other one you're trying to build a newer audience. You're trying to grab people from a from a niche within the niche. Which is, yeah. you know, very hard as it is. We we know how hard it is to grow on Twitch and uh, you know just grow as a content creator. Is there one you prefer more? Yeah, so more over the other. There's a there's like a trade on that because the the work that you have to put in to to get to to become like a like a tournament streamer is extremely. It's trial and error, but it's also like physical because like you're going excruciating. What's that? It's excruciating. Yeah, but you're you're going to events, you're establishing connections like in person, you're you're doing like actual like work work. And in the beginning, like I was saying before, since it's for fun, you don't realize it how you're you're building reputation and you're 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 there consistently, people just recognize who you are. That kind of thing is much, much easier. When you're not thinking about it and the audience is just there waiting for content because they want the newest game. They want to see, you know, the competition and the content is not me. 
that's another factor. The biggest factor is that the content is the players and the commentators who are at the events. So I'm putting it all together as a streamer and a, like a producer and also like helping like supply like the you know equipment for events is like an, it's, it's kind of like a boost and all that. But that's like part of like the, the, the passion factor. So when all of that comes together and you aren't really trying, that's like payoff is that you're going to get a big audience. I like I have a, a Twitch channel with I mean it's admittedly because of promotion that Twitch did back in like 2017 numbers are a bit inflated, but according to Twitch I have like almost 31,000 followers. Like that's pretty significant. Yeah. But it's not legitimately 31,000, but that's what the numbers say. So it's like when people <laughs> see the channel with that they, they might be more likely to watch. Um because that's like up there with like top players. You know, top players have like tens of thousands of followers on their channels. So all of this, all of this like lines up. But when it goes to the retro streaming, because it's just something that I like and not as big a like a demographic, like is interested in, in that as there are for people who want to watch competitive fighting games, even if it's just one game. The issue is all of those viewers were not there for retro content. So it's like you have to start building your new your new viewer base within the existing one and then if you want to try to maintain the old viewer base or at least you know if they're still just going to watch whatever you're streaming because you're the person at the event who's streaming what they want to watch like that's that's just again that's that's what I'm talking about is being like the built-in factor where that that audience is just there right waiting. right right but for me with the retro streaming it's like there's plenty of people who retro stream but they also have a reputation in the community like a, like a max you know like like max is probably one of the top people for just streaming video games and he he's got his his audience like it's just an audience for him so if he streamed at a tournament people would just watch his stuff or if he would just run his own tournament without being attached to a big event people would just watch his stuff and he would also get the audience for who don't really maybe care about his streams he would they would they would want to watch to see a tournament so again that's where your two audiences can then converge so for me it's like well if i want to just do retro stuff i'm trying to like pick up like people who are interested in it, maybe they watch people who use emulators or even to a lesser extent, people who stream retro games on current consoles because that is part of their, their like paywall for like playing games. Like they just, they buy like games, you know, when they get released on what like Switch or, or like the Wii or something like that, you know, they, they just like drop like old games, you know, and, and like every now and then it's like, ooh, now this, you can play this game. Or if you get like a, a retro mini console like the Nintendo or the, the Super Nintendo or even like Genesis and all those other ones. So to me, all that stuff is just emulation. It's just emulation. You have as wide access to all these games. And I would even go as far as to say I wouldn't really want to ever do like one of those um uh what do you, what do they call those uh those multi carts that are really popular. Well, I know what you're talking about um the um flash car uh, flash cartridges? Yeah, 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 but there's like a there's like a specific one that that people use for like basically everything now. Like, like I really the Raspberry want... Pis. Oh no, no, Raspberry Pis are something completely different. Yeah, Raspberry Pi is just a PC. Basically, it's just a PC em emulation. 
Um, but yeah, so like you get like a Super Nintendo, and then you get this cartridge that has like a hundred games on it. You know, it's yeah, like, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. The so, name so just escapes like, me now, right now. You now. got all this, all this like potential content, you know, and like I think that there's something to be said. Like as I'm as I'm doing something like this, or anyone who's doing this like um, direction for streaming is like once people actually realize like like oh shit like that guy's got his library physically sitting behind him he's not you know he's not clicking open rom you know and 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 like (laughs) you know just loading you know turtles in time he's got the 60 dollar you know cartridge on a on a wall behind him you know it's like that's that's, that's my library the physical like that to me that would be like more interesting for me as a viewer to know that the person's playing the physical stuff which is like when you get people who ask you that question, even in like the Nintendo groups, it's it's like I can't you can't tell always if people are trolling when they ask these questions. But like, how dumb can you be to ask a question in a Nintendo collector group? Like, why do you bother doing this? Well, I don't know. I mean, I have you're like, oh, I can just I can play any game and, and more than what you have on my my emulated system. My, my even like my my hacked, you know, SNES mini. I can play any anything on there. And it's like, well, that's great, but your hacked NES, NES Mini is never going to be worth more than a hundred bucks. You know, so you know that's a that's a very interesting point. You know, first of all, the fact, like you said, you're sitting there behind your actual library. This is not a blue, or uh, excuse me, this is not a green screen. You could literally turn around, grab whatever game if somebody requests it. Um, you know, and there's just something about it. I mean, some people are attracted to that. Exactly. And and that is something that I've been working on where I would love to have as part of a stream where somebody is like, do you have this game? Or say I'm just doing like a, like a, like a just chatting stream and I'm talking to like viewers like I'm like I'm talking to you right now about games, just answering questions. Like if I ever had like that kind of that kind of reach where like my personality was the aspect like again, like someone like Max. You know, or angry video game nerd, or something like that. Like, you know, where the personality is what the people want. That would be a fantastic aspect of a stream. Is to be like, I'm, I don't know. I'm like just talking to people and playing like Ninja Gaiden, and somebody's like, "Hey, do you have like X game or whatever?" It's like I have for at least Nintendo, and, and I'm getting there with like Super Nintendo and Genesis. But I have for Nintendo a, a considerable enough collection where there's like an 85% chance that I'm going to have a game that somebody asks to play unless they're being like, you know, like a, not like a troll, but like a being dumb. You know, they're, they're trying to be like, Oh, do you have, you know, um, you know, some like, you know, $700 game or something like that. And it's just like, well, I haven't gotten there yet. You know, it's, like, <laughs> but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like that, that kind of thing, you know, but if somebody's like, Oh, do you have DuckTales too? It's like, yeah, actually I do. I do have DuckTales too. And it's right there and I can, I can pop it in for you right now. You know, how much is but, like, uh, I don't DuckTales have, you know, like little Samson, you know, or, um, I actually technically, I, I do have a repro of little Samson that I got in, um, in a, like a, a bigger collection that just happened to be in there. But like, I don't collect like repro cartridges. Um, I'm technically like meaning like real, like repros as in, they make it because games are rare or expensive. Uh, the only repro type cartridges I get would be like homebrews that are customs. It's stuff that just doesn't exist, you know. So it's like you'd have to get it as a as a custom. But that's like been like a, a goal of mine too. Which again also is like the story. Like that's again that's another like important factor. Is like I've never gone on eBay and and have been like I want you know Dragon Warrior Four 
you know, I've never like gone like say like I just want to I just want the game and I'm I'm just gonna go on eBay and, and see who's got it. I've never done that. I have 2,500 games and I've never once like gone out gone on eBay or, or anywhere just looking for a game. Like I've never typed in the name of like an ex- previously existing game again homebrews excluded and been like I want this game and boom like I could go on and and buy probably all the cheap games that I don't have that I haven't come across and for like a couple hundred bucks I could boost my every one of my collections by like you know 25 you know 50 games a piece but I don't do that everything is by chance if I happen to see like a sale for somebody local then they got you know like a collection of you know 25 50 games maybe I'll you know maybe I'll get you know a couple here and there like I just bought I just bought a collection from an old middle school friend uh, he's oh, like, wow. hey, he's like, you know, I need some cash. He's like, I got about 250 games. He's like, what can we do? So we went through and we priced it out and came up with, you know, we came up with a deal. And I bought it from him. And now I can go through and cherry pick everything that I need, which I which I have. And then I can sell the rest because that's that's just that's the business aspect of it. But that's both aspects of it. So it's like I'm collecting and I'm also making money in the long run. And this is something that people don't get. And they see they see that collection and they're like, oh, my God, you must have spent so much money. And it's like, oh, you know, I have spent money. But my I mean, you have to in, in this, yeah. in this uh, hobby. My collection is worth four times what I spent. You know, and, that's, and, and that's, that's in just raw dollars. That's not in how much I've made back in selling doubles. So I've also cut into that. So it's probably the amount I've spent is probably more like a tenth. You know, maybe not a tenth. We'll say, you know, but somewhere between, you know, a quarter and a tenth, we'll say. Dude, um, I almost bought a video game collection out in Long Island a couple of months ago. Oh, really? But, oh, yeah. It's, uh, it, it was going to be five figures easily, you wow. know. But the, the guy had some amazing stuff, man. I believe he had about 2,000 video games, you know, cartridges, CDs, you name it. He... You know, you find some of these people, kind of like uh, your buddy there, who just want to move on. They've collected everything they wanted to, and something in their in their life happens where they just don't want to be part of the hobby anymore. Well, and that, no, he he still does. He just he really needed some. Oh, some he needed cash the cash because he had like quit his job and he he was trying to start his own thing. Like he was like a roofer, and now he wants to go into like copper. So he he needed to buy like a part that's you know very expensive. So he was just like, you know what? He's like, I got the shit's just been sitting around. Uh, he's like, I know. And he's like, meaning me. He's like, he's like, I know a guy who can, you know, either make it move or if he, you know, if he wants to buy it. So I, so I did. I was just like, look, I was like, as long as it's not an insane amount of money, I'm like, I, I can just buy it from you and I'll buy it for what I know, you know, people will pay for it that are yeah. going to buy it all at once. You usually don't get somebody who's just going to buy 250 games from you. That's just not a collector th- thing to, to do unless it's like, a console you've never got. So say I was only collecting Nintendo and Super Nintendo, and then one day I was like, well, you know what? I'd like to start collecting Genesis. And somebody's like, hey, I got a whole Genesis collection from, you can buy. It's like, okay, well, there you go. Now you've just you've just bought into that. I've been collecting all these consoles now for, you know, what is it, like seven, eight years now. And, I, you know, I've built up enough where it's like I have to buy at least 100 games to even get like one or two Nintendo games out of a collection that I need, you know? So have, it's basically have you only really been doing out. it? Have you only really been doing it for seven to eight years? I thought it was longer than that. So it was like 20, 
2015, I think I was I was cleaning out the house, and we were just getting rid of stuff, and I found a sealed uh, Doctor Mario 64 that was my sister's right, that right. she never opened. She had she had a Nintendo 64 probably like she probably got it around like 2000, I'll say, and she got like a couple games like Mario Mario Kart, maybe like one other game that she played. But she never opened the Dr. Mario. And I was like, man, I was like, this is a sealed game's been sitting in the house for, you know, 15 years or whatever. I'm like, oh, man, I had just given all my, my Nintendo and Super Nintendo boxes to Yestercades because they had opened another location in 2014. Okay. Um, so I'd given him, my, like, Mario 2, Mario 3, Punch Out, Turtles. Karate Kid, Top Gun. Wait, the boxes are, are the, like everything the complete. Boxes, the boxes. I didn't have the games anymore. The games got like lost over the years in, in like moves. Like I had let my aunt borrow my Nintendo when she went to college in the 90s. And then um, it came back and I played it when it came back. But then I think I just like, it was just like kind of chilling at my grandmother's. And I remember going to my grandmother's once probably about 10 years ago and I saw a Nintendo in. She had like a like a like a big like uh, party tent in her yard with like a ceiling fan and everything. This was like a big ass tent, and uh, she would keep flea market stuff in there. And she also she like basically made it into like a spare room for the house. So there was like a dining room table and like refrigerator and stuff <laughs> like that all all in the tent. Right. So I was like going out there and I'm like looking through. I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, I recognized the sticker that was on this Nintendo. I was like, I think this was my Nintendo. But she wasn't home. She was out. They were like down like like Mississippi for like for like a week because they would travel. My grandparents are like flea market people, and uh, I was like, well, I'll, I'll, like let me wait until she gets back. I was like, and I'll ask her. And like the next weekend, when I had like a day off, I I, I went over to the house and it was gone. And she had sold it at the flea market <laughs> in between <laughs> like, when she got it. back and they they gone to the local one. So yeah, and I think that was my stuff. But I wasn't collecting back then. But you but saw the was, Dr. Mario, your sister's Dr. Mario, and that was the and, bug? And that was what did it. And that was after I gave Yesterkades, like, all my boxes that I still had. Like, I had, so it was 2014, so you figure at least 20 years, these games were sitting in a dresser drawer that had been in three houses. My grandparents' house, a house I lived in in the 90s, and then my house now. So... Those boxes were just chilling in there. There was probably at least a dozen, I would say. I didn't have a ton of games as a kid. I had like maybe like fifteen games for Nintendo and like twelve for like Super Nintendo, handful of Game Boy, handful of PlayStation. That was that was pretty much it. And then uh, when they opened up their Somerville location, um, they needed like display pieces for the um, the, for the windows. Like the, for, for the um, what's it called the, the casings by where like the oh yeah the the, the front displays uh, like the register yeah, displays the little glass little glass display cases that they had so they have like a big wrap around one there's like yeah. it's like three sides uh, it's almost like a like a kiosk in the middle of the the building so yeah so the, he was like hey he's like if you got anything I was like you know what I was like I do have some of these you know Nintendo game cases and I like I said I was not collecting at the time I had I think exactly zero like retro, what you would consider retro games at the time. I had some like PS3 and like maybe some PS2 games, PS1, some Xbox games, just like stuff that was like intermediate, you know, at the time, like basically like the 2000s. 
and um it's something that you could part with and you would have not thought about yeah, it yeah right? but I, but i parted with like my my original boxes <laughs> for those games and then That's within the a year i decided to start collecting and i was like ah oh. i was like i i was like you know what they, they they're in a great place like you can actually see if you look on on a uh, yesterday's um if you if you look at their uh their like photo albums from their from and then i think there's like some posts like just from people like visiting taking pictures of the display cases you can see uh at the somerville location the turtles and and mike tyson's punch out sitting in the um in the case like those are mine and uh and that's it's just a nice it's just like a nice place to like have that stuff and it's like i've come across in the meantime i've come across some of the like mario 2 mario 3 turtles turtles 2 i don't know if i gave him all those i don't know if i had all of those but definitely some of them uh yeah maybe half of what i what i had as a kid i have again and by the way for uh our listeners who uh don't know what we're talking about yestercades it's a great uh it's like a retro arcade that opened up uh shock knows more about uh, the owners but they have a couple of locations they're mainly out of new jersey i know the way they have one in red bank uh the somerville one i think they have three locations it's not barcade they don't sell liquor there, at least that I, that I know of. I, I've been to I've been to a um to some of their locations, and you know it's just soda, so yeah, juice no, no and everything alcohol, like there's, that. There's snacks and there's like, at at the least Somerville. I haven't been there in years, but at the Somerville location, they had like a like a snack bar that you compare it to like a Seven Eleven, I guess you could say mm-hmm. that kind of food. Uh, and they also had um. They had a contract with their the, one of the local pizza places, so they would get an order for pizza in Yestercades, and then they would make the pizza there, and then they would work out their contract. That's how they would do that. And yeah, um, it's it's not Barcade, guys. Barcade yeah. is a full out bar, you know, liquor, all that good stuff that happens to have arcade machines. No, uh, the people who own a... Yestercades, uh, you know, they're a video game enthusiasts. Uh, they, uh, yeah. I remember, t- I remember talking to one of the owners there. He just, it's something yeah, it's that he Ken. loves. He's, he's, Ken's the only owner. He's it's just his it's his business. That's I thought it. there was two of them, but uh, regardless, uh, there's managers there that are like like uh, involved. Is is he is? I, I guess you could say. Now what what was it with him? He start like he's always he had always been a a pinball enthusiast, arcade guy, right? And he just happened to say one day, I'm gonna I want to open up my own business. Is is that how it went with him? But yeah, basically he he was like tired of working at the job that he was doing. And uh, he was on the on the side. He was he was like fixing Palm Pilots and selling them to um to like hospitals, and because oh, okay. they, they were using them as uh like their again this was like in the two thousands, they were using those uh they were I guess a popular or or like an industry standard or whatever. So he he would get those with like broken screens and you get them real cheap and you can get the screens and fix them. So he he was selling those and that like funded his like investment his personal investment like I, I don't think he went into any debt to open yet the first yestercades i think he, he was full like personal investment so he he was just like talking with one of his buddies at like a concert one day and he's just like yo he's like let's just do it let's just open an arcade and he went out and bought as a galaga or galaxian galaga probably right it probably is galaga yeah galaga he bought uh probably around 2010 or maybe earlier and that's the one in, at Red Bank. That cabinet, I believe, is his first cabinet. Uh, and he restored it, and that's what basically started everything. 
And so, you know, you just, uh, boom, you like we it. have said, uh, this is a labor of love. This is, you know, obviously it's a business for him, but this is the stuff that he grew up with. It's uh, kind of like the gentleman who owns Galloping Ghost Arcade. Yeah. You know, when when you have a love for this stuff and you can see there's a good business model, because he's smart. You know, he's like, I'm just not going to open up an arcade. Uh, if you guys have ever visited any of these places, they're, they're family centers, they're fun centers, because he's smart enough to know that an arcade alone is not going to, is not sustainable. It's such a, like, a risk. Um, yes. Especially, like, when, um, I think it was the timing when he opened it was, like, 2011. You figure... I mean, we were running. You guys were running Mortal Kombat Nine tournaments out of there, so yeah, it's it's yeah. quite that old. Yeah. No. Oh no. Um, my my point in bringing that out is that it was um, enough time had elapsed where arcades were uh, like considered like nostalgia, so they were gone long enough that people were missing them. But he didn't just open up like a coin op arcade. He opened like a real like uh like hangout retro. And contemporary console gaming center. Yes. It's not a land center. It is a gaming center. So he has like couches with you know big screen TVs and like every console at every station, like all the hits, and then all like the the old old arcade cabinets from like the the early '80s through maybe the 2000s, uh, and then you know pinball machines and some of his locations have like skee ball and you know and they have like air hockey and some of them know, have pool tables as well. Yep, and at billiards and everything. Like he has, like just a brilliantly, like a presented business model. It will work, and I I call it like a casino environment where it's like aesthetically, like everything is attractive. Everything is like makes you want to be there. It, it's not like it's clean, like a, like a dingy dark arcade. It's an experience. It's clean. Know? Yeah, it's a clean exactly. environment. There's a. Uh, you know, we mentioned billiard tables. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, if you've been around pool halls growing up, you know, they're dingy, they're dangerous. Not the, not yestercades. He made sure not to have that kind of environment because he knows what, he knows the clientele that brings in the money. Yep. Absolutely. How did they do during COVID? I mean, with all these shutdowns, you would figure places like that, they were the ones at most risk of shutting down. But from my understanding, all three locations are still up and running. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, initially, uh, I had uh, had uh, been in contact with him because when nobody really knew what was going on, the concern again was uh, at the time was only like, oh my god, how are we how are we gonna from him? It was like how how are we gonna close for two weeks? You know, let alone two months. You know, two seasons. You know, it's it was like uh, emergency mode. But no, they they made it through. They made it through. So far as I know, I haven't been there in a while. I haven't talked to him in a while. But it's you know, it's it's definitely. Uh, a testament to you know being a reliable you know business model it's pretty much it you know there's no coin op or anything it's just you pay like a like a day pass or, or by the hour it's much smarter that way because with arcades you had a lot of loitering and you did not guarantee money you know it was people who just come and hang out and you know, correct paying so when you have that kind of model there's more chance for sustainability when the times are, are lean like that you know, where you can't have a capacity because, you know, just these, like, absolutely, like, unforeseen, you know, limitations. I mean, that was, like, basically it. But, like I, I, like I said, I haven't really talked to him uh, in a while, uh, so I don't know how, like, business is currently. Um, but it seems like he's all right. So, 
when MK1 drops, uh, is Yesterkade's possible? Uh, you know, it's it's a possibility we may see some tournaments there by so, Combat Network, or are you still in the stages of, like you said, revitalizing the brand? Yeah. So, like for for me, I don't currently I don't have any PS5s, and that's the the route that I I'm assuming I would have to go. I I would ideally I would like to go PC, uh, but it's it's way way more like logistically nightmarish to do that stuff like i could do it but to be able to convince other people to do it is that's like the hardest part of that can i ask you a question yeah and you've been around this for a long time why not why not xbox one uh not the xbox one excuse me uh the xbox series s they're affordable they're lightweight they uh uh, uh, MK1 specifically, uh, Ed Boon has come out and said that that's the main platform that the game was based on. Uh, yeah, that's er- just that's just how they they've been. That, that was even MK9 was like that. It was all it was all developed, I believe, on the Xbox 360. But, but even continue. you know, yeah. let, let, not not even MK. You know, it wasn't only MK9. I no, I'm saying like going the, back that far. I'm sorry. Going back that far, they were they were starting with Xbox, and then they'd have to port. So, so if you wanted to call like the Xbox versions of their games, those are like the arcade version, technically, and then the other systems are the like ports. ports. Yeah. No, but my whole point is going back to MK9. Eventually, people started realizing, at least some in the competitive community, that the Xbox should be the um, the system of choice. I now, believe I, I that, Ultra yeah. Street. Fi- I'm sorry. I agree with that. I believe Street Fighter Four, Ultra Street Fighter Four. I saw some tests, and it apparently ran better on the Xbox um, 360. But going back to my point, why not the Xbox uh, Series S? You know, much more, they don't cost as much as the PS5. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, it's not the uh, industry standard. But my answer to that is... You just answered the question. But my whole thing is, brother, I look at it this way. There is no governing body for the FGC. Correct. Correct. So, so here's the issue with that, and this is this is what's very frustrating because this is this is the money. Um, I am currently, like I said, I've been talking with the the guys from Brooklyn. They're also like PC optimization like wizards. They're this is like their their specialty, and they have like a whole project going on with the FGC OS. They're all yeah. Know, I believe that's the thing Arturo Sanchez is involved with, isn't it? Correct. So he's he's involved with that with. Um, the main guy who who is the developer, um, and there's a lot of stuff coming out with that that's really good. Oh no, I, I've seen some of the specs for it. And it's pretty impressive. It's it's unbelievable. The 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 they're getting PC gaming and emulation to be, I mean, virtually on par with cabinet. Like it's it's unbelievable. Like the the amount of like reduction in, in lag that they've been able to produce and and all like the combinations of like refresh rates to to get everything to run properly but but getting back to all this in it and it all ties in the best way to run it would be pc like overall like you're in in theory and that can get obviously very expensive there's ways to to do it you know the combination of things so here's your here's your example for playstation 5 if you want to run the best possible tournament you can uh at the highest like resolution refresh VRR, all this stuff. It's like a thousand dollars per setup. It's for not. PlayStation Five. For PlayStation Five, if you want everything, so you got a PS Five. You're talking minimum of four hundred bucks, and then you're talking four hundred dollar monitor, and then 
you got uh so it's like eight it's like eight hundred just for that and then you gotta have like the HDMI HDMI two point one. Well the season passes and stuff like I, I have contacts that, that can help me out with that for okay. me. But if you're but if you're anybody else running it who's just you know, just getting in and doesn't have any kind of, you know, connections, yes, that's another thing. So it's now it's a hundred bucks per game. So yeah, it's like nine hundred nine hundred dollars at least. At least it's probably more than that because these monitors are ridiculous now with the you know, you gotta go with the like hundred forty four refresh and the VRR compatibility so you don't get the screen tear on the higher resolution. Or you could just go with like ten eighty P or even lower. Like I don't even know. I I'm like I have no experience on PS five, so I don't even know if like seven twenty is like a thing for these games anymore. But like <laughs> That's a good question. To, you're gonna have to sacrifice the resolution for smoothness, for for performance, and that's just unfortunately like that's the thing that you that you have to do. But then you get like these like elite players who want to like force everybody do like the the absolute top of the line uh, and like guilt you know tos in, into doing this. Whereas you could use a PC and you could kind of like make everyone happy because now you know all the controllers are compatible. You don't have to worry about converters. Right. Um, the, the delay, like I, I think there's like the lag on PS5 is like the most of like the three options. And like the Xbox is like, that's where to go if you want to do, you know, if you want to do events. But, but then it's like people are like, well, now I need converters. But it's like, yeah, but it's like you, you, want, you want me to spend all the money to have all the setups. Whereas like everybody can spend like an extra few bucks for their converters. And I don't have to spend five thousand dollars to like. Hey, you know, let to, me, let to me give my this. opinion on that. And this is not to you know shit on the guy's hustle. I get it. But when I saw that bum Bronx fame bum six, he decided yeah. to buy all those converters. To me, it's just silly. It's like, so wait a minute, you went out of your way to buy how many converters at fifty dollars a pop? I mean, you're already providing the systems, the monitors, the games. Why, why can't you have your players, you know, the, these are quote-unquote professionals, these these are competitive players, and they, they can't afford $50 co- a converter. That's basically should be an industry standard. I, I, I believe that that converter has no problems whatsoever, and the people who made it are always updating it for any kind of problems. I thought that was silly, but that's just yeah. me. That's no. just what I think. So, so, so no, I, I, I do understand what you're saying there because we've, as a community – we've gone through waves of having issues with converters and having like uh, some controversy as to whether or not they're, they cause issues with the other person's inputs and they can like burn out ports is all kinds of stuff. This is just how it is. Like this is, yeah. this stuff is not, this stuff is not friendly. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not like this is, it, it gets complex when you're crossing over platforms. That's why they're, you know, not designed, you know, to interact. But, it's frustrating because I would love to be able to get, you know, I don't know how much the the, the Xbox Series X is right now. I imagine probably. I believe they're bucks. at three hundred bucks. Three hundred. Okay. So, I've so seen them. No joke, dude. I've seen them at two hundred dollars. Okay, so let's just do the math. Let's just say two hundred fifty dollars, right? Say I wanted. Say I wanted to get back into this. So two hundred bucks. Let's say eight. It's honestly probably going to be nine systems. But let's just let's just go let's just go cheap and say I'm only going to do five we'll do four and then a stream setup so it's 1250 right that's minimum probably closer to 1600 1500 maybe um and then monitors 
So monitors you figure are going to run you probably 200 each. And by the way, so, guys, let's uh, for, let's not re let's uh, remember this. It's not the old Asus monitors we used in 2009. Those are by all means outdated by today's standards. Exactly. So these new ones now, you figure if you want to just do Xbox, you probably because you don't need the VRR. That's again, that's that's the biggest hurdle with this stuff right now is is that that compatibility. Uh, I guess for the higher resolutions, 2K or whatever. Um, I don't, again, I don't know if this this matters at 1080. If it doesn't matter at 1080, then I, I would just bite the bullet and do PS5 because again, industry industry standard. But you know, so you're you're talking 2,500 bucks if I want to jump in. And again, it's business, so I'm going to be going to events and and you know, hopefully making some money. But I, at the point I'm at right now, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to be booked or if like TOs are on top of this and, and they already have all their stuff it, I don't know because that's not how things were for me for NRS I, a lot of TOs depended on me a lot of them you know and it all up and down the east coast it wasn't you know it wasn't like I only worked for Big E you know I had about half a dozen different people that I worked for who were either running conventions or doing majors and I had to have you know eight setups at least you know, it would be like eight setups, and then like uh, you know, one one of my one of my staff would would bring like theirs because they would have like all the DLC, like all the paid DLC and everything, or somebody you know who's coming to the event would have one. But I would have the eight setups with with the minimum you know you know free stuff on you know unlocked on everything, and you know the the upkeep on that is is minimal when it's a console. When it's a PC, it's it's different. You know, yeah, so it's that's a different beast altogether. Another, yeah, another logistical hurdle. This is right now the the biggest jump in terms of investment. You know that's which is which is my my point in getting is I'm, I'm back in 2015 when PS4 was still PS4 was probably newer in 2015 than, than PS5 is right now, but PS5 has been much much more difficult to get. I mean I think only at the beginning of this year you could really get, and that's two years in. You could get, you could just go on to Amazon and buy a PS5 two years after release. If, am, I, am I correct to say that? Yeah, I, I would say you are. Yeah, yeah, and literally, like you, you would go there and it'd be like out of stock. Amazon, Best Buy, Target, out of stock for for PS5. Probably two years deep. I don't remember that happening for any console. None, and it, it's frustrating because the price should have come down by now. You know, the price for, for the disc PS5 yes. should probably be 400 now. Should be, you would figure, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm, you know, so back when we did the PS4 thing, we did a fundraiser. We, it was like a community effort. We did a big fundraiser where we gave away, like, old equipment. Uh, we got some, like, merchandise from, like, NRS, and we had, like, Combat Network shirts made, and it was just a big, you know, donation thing, and it helped us. We, we actually did pretty good. We wound up buying, like, like five PS4s. You know, and that, that, that really helped us. We still had the monitors that we had built up over the years. I had, I, I had like 14 Asus 2009 monitors. 14. Like, like think about that. Like, I'm, wow. not, I'm not running uh, majors. I'm a guy who travels to majors and gets contracted. And I'm carrying with me, you know, nine monitors for the setup. And then I got, you know, my I two monitors for the stream and then a few extra monitors if the event needs them, or maybe if we're running like um, side games, like, you know, like the, the, the classics and stuff like that. So I, I had all bases covered. 
Um, I yeah, still, it, by all means, it was a business. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, it turned into that. Yeah. I mean, for a while we were doing, we were bringing like maybe, you know, five setups, you know, and it was just because like, this is just like a fun thing that we do on the side. But like, eventually it's just like when, when you're not just like kind of like coming out to an event and it's like you're getting like requested to be in an event, like it's work at that point. It's, it's actual, you know, it's actual work. So I am looking to do that again. And that's what I'm hopefully going to, um, hopefully going to do this this week because uh, we're about a month out for um for mk1 and i would i mean like I, I i mean i could just buy everything up front but it would be nice to, you know to have a little bit of relief on that so we're gonna look into doing that i i still have and again we updated monitors back in 2018 and we only got to use them for about two years and then <clears throat> three years and nothing yeah um so i have those those one ms asus monitors and again they're not they're not great for you know, for newer, you know, newer systems, but, you know, we're going to, we're going to do giveaway on maybe like, like four of those monitors. And then we'll probably do a couple PS4 like bundles with, you know, the, like a controller or something like that. And we'll see if we can, you know, give some incentive and, and, uh, and push, uh, like another fundraiser. Do you still uh, have those 14, uh, 2009 Asus monitors? I have four of those left. I actually have two, I have two in this room, just kind of like chilling on the side. And I got two in my bedroom. Um, are those the ones you use for your main um, streaming setup right now? So the, the the computer I'm on right now, I'm using one of those newer. Well, it's not newer, but it's one of those newer to me. Uh, Asus, the thin, the really thin ones, and they're like really light. They don't have like very good speakers, um, but they're one MS, and they're I don't know. They're probably they're probably just sixty sixty um, hertz refresh like anything else. So I would like to get like 144s and just just run everything as long as there's no screen tearing with ps5 on 1080 if we have to do 720 we, that's what we have to do we ran all the previous games at, at 720 every every ps4 tournament we would always make sure every console has to be set you know the same settings and everything because players notice the you know the difference um native resolution stuff you know so that's like you know it, it's a it's a big um, you know, it, it's a big lump sum to to get into, and obviously it's, it's understood. Like it's like this is this is what I'm gonna do, but it's just a side gig. It's not it's not a main it's not my main job. So it's like it's a lot of money to to, to drop five grand on something I don't even know if I'm gonna be doing because I don't I don't know if 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 tos are gonna are, are still interested in in working, you know, because it's just that the scene is is changed. It changed in the years before. You know the lockdowns, and and since then it's changed more. Uh, and I lost a lot of um, a lot of momentum in that time. Uh, you know, it's like when like civilization collapses, like another one like rises up, you know, to kind of, <laughs> you know, to kind of like pick up the pieces. And you know, uh, and even like in the FGC, it's like that's kind of where we are. There's like a, a like a like a reestablishing of of you know who's doing what. So I have not heard anything from anybody other than my my local guys, you know, that still want to do stuff that I help out with. So, but for that, for now, I would just need to I would just need to grab a couple PS5s, which is whatever, you know, a couple PS5s. But ideally, I I would love to to get back into it uh, and be able to just you know not have to depend on anybody to bring anything, which is my whole goal. Previously, was okay. Here I am, you know, with my eight PS4s. You know, and it's just like at the same time, it's like, uh, 
don't know. Like, do I even like still want to do this? You know, that that's another thing. Yeah. So, I, so this is my test. You know, this is my test. No, no, no. Trust me, you're not the only one. A lot of people are asking that because you have mentioned something and it was so so intelligent. This scene changes so much. Uh, I don't know how much uh, you paid attention to uh, evil last last weekend. I mean, is evil something you even think about anymore? When um, it comes I, up in the, I in the don't schedule? anticipate it at all, but yes, I'm I am aware with uh, with what happened. What what was your take from it? I mean, what how much far- how much attention did you pay to it at all? So I didn't pay attention to any of the competition. Nothing, not a bit. I wasn't thinking about any of that going in. Uh, when I saw people posting, oh, heading to Evo, I was like, oh, yeah, Evo's this weekend. It, it wasn't like how it was, you know, 15 years ago. It was, like, really building up, you know, and even into, like, like Street Fighter V, we'll say, when it had that little little jolt. You know, obviously, the Street Fighter Four boost in, in 09 was, you know, was huge. What was the last Evo you attended? None. I've never been to Evo. Really? I, I could have sworn you at least attended two of them. Nope. Not a single one. Um, has James yeah, ever I, attended Evo? I know exactly. Summoning hasn't. No, I don't think so. I don't know. Um, Jimmy, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't. Really I know. believe I, Phil may have when he was doing the MLG stuff with MK9, but I don't know. Uh, I, just... mm, I I I don't know for sure on that, but you might be. You might just be confusing that with an MLG event. Because uh, he did, yeah, like you said, he did travel for I don't know at least one, maybe two of those. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, my interest in like going to events kind of died probably around we'll say <sighs> MKX. And when I say going to events, I mean just like oh, there's a tournament this weekend, I'll go check it out. But doing them it was like the build for that was like as like as enjoyable as like any time could be like mkx is really like like a high point but in terms of just like going to an event just to like hang out and play i haven't really had any any desire to do that if i don't have something to do like if i don't have like work to do at an event i'm like just yeah it's like i, I it wore <clears throat> it wore out it wore it wore you out the community wore you just, out i remember the, we were talking a, a little bit about this I mean, you know, pandemic aside, I believe you had told me you just didn't like the direction the community was going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the the hardest things to kind of, like, deal with at events was just, like, being so insulated and kind of like, 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 I almost felt like, um, like a character in a game that, like, people would just, like, go to for guidance. (laughs) The NPC? And yeah, yeah, like just like kind of like, eh, I got all the all the people that I know that like I still you know associate with, but like, gotta remember like it's just like every year a good chunk of the scene is like a year younger, you know they're a year further away, and now you know probably half the scene is like young enough to like be my kids, you know it's like that's you know that's how I look at it, and it's like. Well, I'm like, I don't really have interest in competing anymore, but at least if I'm there in like in some kind of administrative capacity, I can I can at least make sure that everybody's having a good time as like a host, you know? And then that's like it, once once you get to a point where you see that there okay, there's somebody else who can do it, it's like let them do it, they're doing a good job, I don't have to be involved. 
And that's kind of what happened with me, like, with UMK3. was, like, I ran those tournaments until MK9 it naturally took over. And that was it. There was nothing I could do, like, to, to get people to come out, you know, for, for the, the classic games. Because a number of the people who were playing the classic games were just playing the new games. You know, it was just, that was just how it is. And it's, it's like, there's no reason to, you know, to, to, to keep training for older games when, like, these newer ones, that's just, they're, just how they're it the is. They're the focus. The nature of the beast. So, um, so then after a few years of, and again, I was still bringing my, my meme setup to every event. Like, from MK9 until, say, what was it? MK11, like uh, that that first year in, right? I probably brought my my main setup to fifty tournaments. So that's there's no like giving up on it. It's, it was there. It's like anybody who knows. It's like okay, Combat Network is going to be at this event. You know, you know that you can, you know, count on there there being like a classic MK setup. It's going to be there. You can you can organize your own little thing and run a side event if you want, but like you can't that's like the one thing is like you can't like you can't like depend on me to do that because i'm working the event um and, and mind you when uh street fighter 9 dropped and mortal kombat 9 dropped as well mm-hmm. they you still were getting quite a few numbers for those classic games but like you had mentioned you know the new mortal kombat just completely took over where the yeah. top players for those old games specifically you know uh rio crazy dominican oh no we were still we were yeah still you, you guys like, were still having good numbers yeah. we were still like announcing and like running tournaments probably until injustice came out and then that was basically it there was there was just the injustice events were just consistently too involved like you're talking like i think i did Four majors in a row where Injustice had 128 players for every tournament. Oh yes, I remember. So that's that. a lot of resources. And again, we got you know we got adding people on and you know in the in terms of staff and stuff. And um, but the community starts to like divide at that point because now it's like you have like like sub like divisions of the community, and it's like you have a like a community of of more or mostly newer players. And they're playing a game that is part of the franchise of games that you were running, but you're also like several games removed now. So you have these like these like legacy players who you know like say like me and, and like Phil, who are like the representatives, but we don't really like represent the new games. So it doesn't make sense. So that's when you start seeing like these other groups start to develop and like say like you know like you know we're gonna be the ones who spearhead you know, this game and, and, you know, and then it doesn't always work. And then it's like, it comes back to you again. And it's like, now it's like, okay, well, we gotta, you know, we gotta train, you know, people to, to either stream or, you know, um, like manage equipment, you know, it's all part of like, again, it's all part of the business, but it's like also not like directly related to the event. So it gets confusing for people. It's kind of like if you were to like go into a department store and the employees were not wearing like uh shirts that have like the um the name of the like the the business that they're working in right you know? right so it's like uh that's it's kind of like obviously like people are wearing staff shirts and stuff but it that's kind of like what it becomes and it's like a little bit like muddy and it gets it gets frustrating at times because then like you get like um 
some like resentment from the community at the same time uh, because like you're never doing a good enough job and that's when it starts getting into like the thanklessness sort of aspect of it and then that kind of like demotivates you but then it's like well screw it I'm I'm just coming I'm just I'm just going to be there and if if I'm showing up and there's nobody else showing up you know that there isn't there isn't somebody serious enough to take over when you see somebody serious enough to take over and you can kind of rest that's like you feel like you you've like achieved something and it's uh it's a that's a good way of saying it because when there is nobody there to take over it, it's hard and a lot of, like you said, a lot of legacy players uh, feel that, oh, you're giving us the shaft. What's the matter? You, uh, they, they don't seem to understand. Well, dude, this is where my business is. You know, in this case, Mortal Kombat is my business. Injustice is. As much as I love classic Mortal Kombat, I can't dedicate that much time to it. So why can't somebody just pick up the slack and do it themselves? Mm-hmm. Like a perfect example, that dude, Romnito. Everybody... You know, not many people know what he does, but by all means, he took the Marvel Marvel versus Capcom two community to uh, on his shoulders. He did not want to let that scene die because he loves that game so much. It's Absolutely. not any, it's not any high entity. It's not no, you know, no well known player that is actually that's actually carrying that scene. It's him, you know. And those are the kind of people that, especially old. Um, you know, old school players, those legacy players we we're talking about, they appreciate it because, truth be told, a lot of people they they talk a mean game, but they just don't they just don't know how to act on it. Like, oh, why isn't the classic Mortal Kombat scene revived? What's going on? What's Shock doing? Well, Shock is busy. You know, why can't one and of you just take it over? It, it, well, so that's exactly was my point before. Is like, um, it's hard to maintain a scene that doesn't exist. Yeah. So, that doesn't so like, work. If there's if there's nobody coming out, then like what am I doing? You know, it's like I'm I'm bringing my stuff with me to every event without a single person in advance telling me, hey, are you? You know, I'm gonna come out. You know, if you got your system. No, my system is just there, and everybody knows it. But also like understand that like I may be preoccupied. I would always try to make time for people. Like there'd be people who would show up kind of, kind of randomly be like, Hey, guess what? I'm here uh, to play, you know, if you know, let's, let's play. And it's like, all right, well give me, you know, give me like a couple hours and I'll get the stream like going. And so- sometimes some of the guys, like this is another aspect of it. People would kind of get not mad, but like wouldn't understand like why we didn't always have like commentators, you know, and it's like, well, if we don't have a good turnout, the, the lower your turnout, the less likely you're going to have commentators because there's there's a lower like talent pool. That and matters to people too. It it does it does and and it also like you, you kind of like again you have to like train like people like like I wasn't like if I was just running the stream and I didn't have to do anything else I was perfectly content but it was almost never that. There was plenty of times where, like, I have to take care of stuff on the floor because I also have all this equipment with me. And even though we built up a staff, not everybody's always there. And that's just like when you just like working, you know, at any any business or we'll say like a restaurant in particular, you get people who don't show up. And now you got you got to cover for them. But now you got to cover an entire weekend. And by the way, guys, it doesn't just happen to the retro games. I remember, uh, I forgot what big E event it was, where you were streaming Injustice, and there was no internet, 
and you couldn't do it live, you were telling the players, hey, listen, we're going to record it and we're going to upload it. And a lot of people didn't like that. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, th- th- these things, they really do matter. They're, they do matter when, when trying to sustain a community. And listen, by the way, you could ask Shock yourself, this area, the tri-state area, I mean, by all means, has a huge pool of uh, classic Mortal Kombat players. But when those things aren't present, they just don't care. And they'll stick yeah. to Ficade. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but like what I was saying before is that um, all these players knew that like, uh, like if I'm going to be at, a, at an event, that they have a place to come and, and shine. You know, it's going to be there. We, we might not be able to stream it, but it's going to be there as like a, a beacon. You know, it's just like okay, this is the tournament that everybody knows about for months. If you guys want to set something up, do it and come out. It's not that difficult because not a lot of people. The double-edged sword of that is like, why? Why am I not organizing all that? It's like, but because I'm working, and if I'm not working, I'm not at the event to to be there for the classics. So there's there's like a dilemma zone there. Do you see what like what I'm saying with that? Is like if I don't have work to do at an event, I can't promise you that I'm going to be able to get a spot, you know, to play for a tournament for a whole, you know, for the whole at least a full day. You know, that's like you're, you're you're basically like asking, you know, the event to give you space. It's like, OK, well, or you could just run it in like a like a hotel room or something like that. But like then who's going to want to just like come out and get a get a room, you know, for a weekend and just play, you know, aside like separate from the tournament. It just doesn't make sense. It's, and it's that's weird... why um, yeah, now that yeah. I think about it, that's why uh, uh, Drew, the Drusus is uh, tournaments, classic uh, Cincinnati, classic combat. They did very good for the years that he was doing. I don't know if he's doing it anymore. Yeah, but... he still he still doesn't. Okay, he, but he uh, I do remember him getting a lot of good uh, a lot of good viewership, and a lot of players showed up. But then yes. again, that's completely different. They're not sharing a, a ballroom or anything. I mean, obviously, it's a very small event, but the but people it's a dedicated who sh- classic MK event, and that's the point though. Is like, I could it, I could do those. But then, who's going to come out for him? It what it required was, like, absence makes the heart grow, grow fonder. So you have, you know, three four years of nothing going on, and then all of a sudden it's like somebody who's dedicated enough, like Drew, is like, well, you know what? I'm just going to start running an event because I want people to come out for this game, and that's that is what a passion project is. You're just doing it because you want it to happen, and you want people to have a good time. And when you do that, then you realize like how hard it is to have a good time yourself um and then that like becomes like another like hurdle like it becomes like another because you're wearing a different hat now yep exactly exactly by the way what was the highest number of entrants he's ever had to one of his events i think he had 32 and that's across all mk games what's that was that across all the mk games that he held i think for i think just for umk3 one year he had he he definitely approached 30 I'm pretty sure about that. Which is not bad for that game. Not bad. Yeah. You know, the highest we, it's a we start ever had. Completely start, you know, it's a complete startup. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, like, no reputation or anything like that. Just, just like, saying, like, hey, guys, I'm doing this event. Come out to this event. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, uh, but it, we, we, we had a couple in, like, the 30s in 2010. It was... Um, but that was when you were giving more attention to it. Oh, yeah, and MK, MK9 wasn't out yet. It was building. It was announced, and people people were like really like. 
coming out for like random ass MK games when we were doing like uh, DC Marvel uh, Marvel uh, MK uh, DC. DC versus MK. Yeah, and um, you know just just you know just getting every, getting all the band back together again basically, and bringing out everybody now. MK One is feeling like it's got the same kind of like uh, it's pulling together different generations of uh, or different eras of uh, of players again so we'll see we'll see what happens you know it's amazing to me that it's 2023 and i believe it was a smash player who said this correct me if i'm wrong but i can't believe it's 2023 and people are still bitching about the mortal Kombat aesthetic it's like that's just the way mortal Kombat looks if you, what, if, old, you if you played the beta from my understanding i mean the game's beautiful those yeah. backgrounds no, no, it does are look fantastic. Did, were you part of the beta? No, no, I, I, I don't even. Uh, I don't know what, what was the beta available on. It was available uh, on everything because it was a stress was. test. Okay, so it was it was on PC. So I, I yeah. could have been, I could have done PC. Like my my PC definitely could run, could run it, but no, uh, I don't know anybody. Maybe Conqueror was like the only person. That, that did it? You know, you mentioned uh, reputation. Speaking of which, Mike Watson of uh, Hyper of uh, Street Fighter 2 fame, mm-hmm. he recently held, held an event, uh, basically a, a retro event, and I believe he had about 155 players across the board. Uh, a, lot of Street Fighter, a lot of Street Fighter games, as you could imagine, uh, Super Turbo, Hyper Fighting, uh, he had Ultra Street Fighter 4, he had Vampire Savior, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and a couple of others. Nice. And I believe I believe he's out in the West Coast, or maybe yeah. he's still in Texas. And again, you know, it's you, you hear that name, especially within the FGC, and you're going to pay attention to it. The guy's a legendary player. I, and I was wondering, I mean, do you think something like that would work over here on the East Coast? I feel that a lot of people may want a tournament based off of those uh you know those games that came out in 2009 and some of the older ones i mean we still see super turbo at tournaments that game's always going to be around although i still rather play hd remix but that's just me but nobody oh, plays really? that game anymore <laughs> do you think something like that would work so so basically what that comes down to is uh somebody has to just make it happen somebody has to it. have the balls to do it yep just just make it happen and that's it and and people will come out to that for sure, for sure. There's there's no doubt about that. So if if I hoarded a bunch of equipment and was like we we have super gun setups for all these arcade games, and we have you know I don't know just a guaranteed model that it's going to be you know X number of setups. This person streaming and. Uh, it's going to be at this, you know, venue. Just do it. Just make it happen. Uh, I don't even think you need to like gauge interest on that. You'll get as long as you're realistic about it. Like you said, 150 people is pretty good. Um, you know, you just if you just do a one day event, you know, at a smaller capacity. Yeah, for sure, you you, you could definitely do it. But I don't think you could do it a lot. I think like a once a year deal per region is probably realistic and it would be definitely would be fun to do but it's not it's not something that you could expect to be sustainable so you you would have to either have some other 
regular event, like some kind of, if, if you say like you're T.O. Who, TO who's running majors and you're actually like making some money, you would be like, okay, I'm going to just do this like side event because it's something I enjoy. But otherwise, it's like if you're running majors to make money, you're probably not going to do that. It's a passion uh, project. Exactly. Another passion project. That's all this stuff is. Because it's all just recreation. It's really all it is. It's just recreation. Ain't so, that the truth, man. But, um... So are you just going to be uh, concentrating on the retro gaming bites until you eventually make your return back? Well, excuse me, until Combat Network makes their return back to the FGC? Or is that just still, a, you know, a, a little bit of a pipe dream? Because like you said it yourself, you're still trying to gauge if financially it would make sense. Yeah, so... I would like to just continue with the, the retro stuff and try to figure out how to reach that niche community. It's there, but it's like, do people want to see speed runs? Do people want to see, like, no death runs on games? But, like, are those people tired of that stuff? Like, is it like they just, like, watch the streamers that they like because they like those streamers? And is there room for, like, another person to, like slide in i think that for me i've noticed that obviously the more people there are in the chat the the worse my like performance is but the more interesting stream is because there's more chatter and it, that's ultimately the goal i used to do a podcast and as you could tell we've done a number of interviews i love to talk uh <laughs> i try to be as like articulate and like uh informationally based as possible like giving people like you know a lot of lore a lot of knowledge you know experience you know the inner politics of the scene stuff that's a little more interesting like i don't i don't talk about like like combos and like player matchups and stuff like that like i don't like to talk about like the Dude, that's boring stuff. it gets boring it's it's you know pissing contests and stuff like that it's never been i mean maybe not never maybe back 20 years ago when i was still you know hungry uh, and, and the scene was being, you know, reborn. But now I'm trying to get back into, like, what's fun for me. Because I'm, for all intents and purposes, like, done with the scene. You know? It's like, this is my, like, sort of, like, do, is there anybody who's going to do this stuff? Do do I need to, to be a part of this anymore? And if not, then then I don't. But if I if I do, you know, I'm, I, and I, st I still have, you know, at least like the time to do this stuff, I'll do it. You know, especially now I feel like a little bit um, on like a personal note, I feel a little bit like rejuvenated because like earlier in the year, like I had a couple surgeries done that like basically like restored my my life. Like if that's like the best way to, to describe it. Like I was like borderline disabled. So I'm like now I'm like, OK, I can actually like go out and I can see. Because like, I had, like, eye surgery. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, like, I can see now. And it's, like, not realizing, like, over the years, like, that's that was, like, a, like a big drawback doing tournaments for probably well, 20 years. in front of a camera, uh, you know, in front of a camera, in front of a screen. For yes. as long as so, you guys did it. So from, from 2018 to 2020, doing, doing tournaments, like, I had to have... And it actually worked out as it was like a blessing in disguise, sort of, because like I got to like formally train one of our, our guys from from our locals. Um, this guy, Icy Black Deep, he goes by. Um, he's been around at least 10 years, maybe a little more, probably since like 2012, 
uh, Street Fighter 4, um, at least going to events. And I got to train him to run streams, learn, you know, how to use, like, XSplit and, like, the, the basic, um, like, structure of uh, coordinating a tournament while you're streaming. Because if you're a streamer, you probably should have all the information brought to you. But that was one of the hardest parts for me when I was just doing it solo was that everybody treated me like I was the T.O., but I would have to tell people, I'm like, I am just streaming the event. You don't come to me when you have problems <laughs> with your with your matches. You you, you got to go to the people holding the paper. You know, you don't come to me. I don't have anything to do with this. So I could then get back into that role that people initially became familiar with me back in the very beginning, like MK9, in terms of like streaming for us, because I wasn't really doing the streaming then. I wanted to, but I wasn't doing it yet so i got to train icy to take over for me and i actually started doing this before it was probably like 2016 um just because i i sometimes like i said you just need that assistance and because i started having some health issues it was like well now i really need it because like i, I literally like could not sit at, at a computer i couldn't look at it you know i had some other stuff going on that was kind of like just making it hard for me to get around so by training him uh, now, it's like whenever I run an event, I'm just like, hey, are you available this weekend? And he just comes out to the event and I, I just like cut him in on the pay for the event. And it makes it a lot easier for me. I come in the night before. I set everything up. He comes in the morning of. He also works on the, um, the software that, uh, that we use for events and, and tries to like enhance it to make it easier to and more robust uh so he like expands upon you know if it's if it's something that's open source he expands upon it which is great so it's such a useful tool to have like a real production assistant and instead of just like oh there just happens to be a player who attended the event and they kind of they stream on their own and they kind of know how to do stuff and they can like change names so like they can give me like a break and that really again that started becoming a thing once like my like vision started going so it was like oh my god like i gotta get up like 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 people don't realize that it's not just like oh i'm just like bored it's like no like i have to get up because like i can't even like read the screen yeah stretch you know? your legs out as well obviously obviously but to be like at a point where it's like like i physically can't do what i'm doing is like it sucks you know it's like world coming down kind of thing and and so now you know that's been years gone by and also having that break of almost three years where I wasn't really doing anything. Uh, I could have been starting this brand for the retro gaming stuff. I tried doing it back in like 2017 and then right when I started, it was when everything started happening. So I had that little time in like 2019, 2020 where I did like a few, I was like, let me, let me just try this. Let me do it. And I, I literally was just like, I can't do this. And I have to get, you know, surgery, but like you, you have to be at a certain point in order to, to get the surgery. So it was like, wasn't bad enough, but it was enough to be uh, like a hindrance because you're, you're just looking at a screen. So now I'm like, Ooh, I can, I can actually like do this stuff now, but I feel like <laughs> I'm like five years 
late. Imagine having like five years to build up something, you know, also like, again, like now it's like getting into like my forties. It's like, you know, it, it's just another, that that's like another hurdle to it too. <clears throat> yeah. We're old men, aren't we? Yeah, that's unfortunate. And one of my, my best buddies I was hanging out with last night said, he said to me, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, ah, ah. he's like, I go to the gym. He's like, I, I got this, you know, uh, whatever, like, you know, equipment in his house. And he's like, I just can't get rid of this like midsection, dude. He's like, I don't know what it is. I'm like, dude, it's called your forties. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's just what it is. <laughs> it is. Are you, are you fulfilled though? Are you satisfied with the retro journey you're gonna, you, you're, you've taken on? So, uh, my goal is to play all the big titles, all the big franchises that I never got to play when I was a kid because I just I didn't own them. I didn't know anybody who had them, or if I did, they they just they just didn't get to play them. Because um, some kids were like that. It was, it was a weird thing. Like kids like wouldn't like play their games. I, I don't know why, but like kids are mean. Uh, yeah, it's just this weird like selfishness. Like I, I remember like going over kids' houses and it was like. They'd have like a game and, and it was like they, they just wanted to play it and they didn't want to like teach you how to play it or watch you fail at it. it yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I remember also that as a kid about, having man. having that too, but it was like I wouldn't tell somebody like they couldn't play, but I remember like watching and be like, Oh god, like they don't know what they're doing, you know. <laughs> but um but yeah, like that that's that's my my main intent and and I'm hoping that in doing that because again I've I've already you know, in, in only a couple months of, of, of really focusing on this, uh, developed like, a, you know, a little little bit of a regular crew who comes in. And as you snowball, you get more and more people. And then maybe some people don't, you know, they lose interest. But then you, you pick up other people and then those people become buddies. And, and now it becomes like a meeting place for them to go to the chat. And it's like everybody's just BSing with each other. And then there's like a handful of people that maybe like will regularly, regularly interact with the, the streamer. That's just how it works, and then they, those people like become mods, and you know it's it's a whole process. But the 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 reason why like I can like conceptualize all this is because like I've I've done it with something else, you know. Like I've done like I've done podcasting and I've done streaming and I've done wrestling, so it's like all these different forms of entertainment. It's like a different level of it now because it's personal. Again, with the streaming, it was not my content that was what was interesting it was the top players that were coming to the events who were just on my stream that's that's the the draw for that stuff so it does not translate to an audience for an individual person streaming retro content i still would like to have people that i know who who want to stream you know come on combat network like mike metroid comes on and and summoning has been streaming on obs but he was he was doing that and i back in the day i had uh, a few guys uh, who were streaming again? Everybody was streaming different games, so it was like a lot of variety, and that was like the whole point of like Combat Network on as a stream. Like originally, Combat Network wasn't solely going to be just streaming. It was is honestly everything really like what we were doing, like organizing events and you know, of course, um, you know, and and then getting more into you know presenting you know streams and stuff like that. Which again, that was all in the infancy of this stuff, so. You know, it, it's all kind of, at this point, coming full circle. If I do get back into streaming with MK1, if I don't, I don't. But, like, right now my goal is to lock down some equipment, make sure, like I said, with the like the Brooklyn guys, they have they know all the specs, they know all, all the, 
the things to really focus on, and especially with Evo, learning about the again now they say like people are overreacting to like the PS5s like melting, like you know USB ports and stuff because using the back USB ports is, there's a lot of heat that comes out of there. Right. I don't know. I I like to me it's like find out everything you need to mitigate all of those issues, and then be like, look, I have all these setups. I have, they're all updated. They, they're all, you know, everything is, is where it should be. I have these monitors. I have these um, USB hubs. Everything that you need, I'm like, I can do your event. Hire me. Dude, get the Series S. I'm telling you, you mitigate so I, I many want, problems. I want, I have to do like a community poll on that. We used to do this kind of stuff. And yeah, this was we used to. And unfortunately, said, you know what the answer is going to be. not as close knit as we used to be. It's not like a family like it was, like you know, back in like uh, the the PS3 360 era. And that's another point that I was getting to is PS3 was terrible for the NRS games. It was just not good. The frame rate, the input loss, and it just it just wasn't good. And my issue with that was I noticed this with MK9. And obviously, it's not like, oh, I noticed it. It's like me not really playing the game, I could see. I'm like, there's a performance issue here. Why do you guys put up with this? And it's like, oh, well, Evo uses PS3, so we have to play on PS3 because we have to be prepared for... Not true. Not true. I look at things so differently, man. Oh, oh, no, no, Evo does it, so we have to do it. Again, I, dude, there's not I a agree. governing body for this stuff. I know. I, I agree. So we ran MK9 entirely on PS3, and I then remember. when Injustice came about, and it was the same thing. I'm like, this isn't, like, this sucks. I'm like, and there were people who were, like, really, like, getting frustrated with it. They're like, like, this is just not acceptable. So halfway into Injustice, now, again, remember, I have, you know, eight PS3s at this point. And they weren't expensive that anymore, really, at the time. But you know, it's still you know it's still a chunk of change to throw out there. But then to have to get Xbox 360s. Fortunately, they were much cheaper. It was only like eighty bucks a pop for those when we got the like the four gig ones. And that basically turned into well, not everybody has adapters, so you know, not everybody has like sticks, you know, for for that system and. It's just like, well, like I don't know what to tell you. You got half the scene that wants to play on the standard because they all want to go to Evo, and they want to be prepared for what Evo is going to have. I guess uh, I don't know. It's not that many. Not not even one tenth of the players go to Evo that actually play competitively. So that <laughs> basically, make, you, you think about it realistically. I mean, how many competitive, you know, MK uh, MK nine players were there? You know, that's that's an issue. Fortunately, PS four, I. Th- think ran pretty well for games i think like i honestly like never heard anybody complain so i think it was okay we did that whole generation of games on there and people just just were like okay with it so okay cool we 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 made the right investment but we you know like i said we ran a a fundraiser and, and managed to get you know a bunch of ps4s and one of those ps4s got stolen at a tournament actually yeah it was at a ect one year it was like 20 was it 2015, 2016, something like that? Actually, I think we got it in 2015, and then it was like a year later, and it was uh, one of the other, it was Rapzilla had brought uh, or had uh, 
had a PS4 that he didn't need anymore. So I took that off him, and it, it never made it home. Wow. Yeah, right, right, like under my nose. Like I was like, it probably happened like while I was like, like running the stream. But um, it's sad but yeah. that that has to happen, and it still does too. Yeah, yeah, and again, it, it's the only time that's ever happened. I did lose another one because it never got returned to me after it was used for um, uh, for the finals for uh, for Injustice Two one year. I think it was 2018 at Summer Jam, and that that never made it back to me. I don't think that was stolen. I think that was just like misplaced. Um, because like we were packing up and I had somebody new with me and they didn't, I guess they just didn't have the right count. I, and obviously I should, I should have double checked. So yeah, so that one went missing, so, but that that's not too bad in all these years to have a couple systems go missing. For me, it was more like controllers. Controllers would vanish a lot, but that was about it for, for, for in terms of like inventory expenses. But now I'm looking at that, like to jump right <laughs> in, uh, it's like, I'll start slow, start with like four setups and then see how it goes. And then if, if people, you know, do start using me again, then maybe I'll get like another four. So let's see what happens. We can do another, do another fundraiser. And we got the MKNJ event coming up. And not probably. Regardless, I have a couple extra PS5s for them for that event. So we'll see what happens. I think, I think we got a good, I have to get, I have to get my monitors back. Cause Big E's been hanging on to them for me um, <laughs> since Summer Jam last year. Because, uh, I don't really need to have eight monitors chilling in my house. <laughs> um, and he's got storage. So, and, hey, listen, I, and, and I say that, as I say that I have six monitors still in my house and he's got eight. <laughs> so how many systems does he have? Oh my God. I couldn't even tell you. Mm, it'd be, it'd be a good idea he's, to he's contract a, his equipment. Now, if you ever have to do something right, he, he's going to have 50 of his own monitors. So I would assume he's got probably 50 PS4s. Now oh, wow. PS5s, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Hey, listen, Matt, man, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Uh, you know, the the roads that you've taken, um, the whole retro gaming bites, uh, it's really cool to hear that you're possibly coming back into the FGC. Uh, like you said, uh, you were the ones that, you and your team were the ones that were running a lot of that stuff for us uh, during that time. And, you know, things change. Uh, that's, you know, that usually comes with the territory. But again, really cool to hear that there may be a possibility we may see KN back into back into the action, man. Yeah, at, at the very least, I'll be helping out with Darth, Darth Arma's MKNJ events for sure. That's, that's like a, you know, as long as he's running those, I'll have a use for the equipment. Um, we run at uh, Helix Esports, which is like a, a land center, so we don't have to really worry about monitors. They they do have like an enormous number of PCs there, but again, like I said, you gotta the, the, the players dictate like what you run your stuff on. I would like to run on whatever the the fastest input response with the best frame rate is, but this is this is the world that we live in. The logic does not always dictate. If I was in charge, a lot of people would hate me, but that's a different story. You know, that's a story for a different day, right? Uh, you tyrant. I know. I am a tyrant. And, hey, listen. It's it's worked well for me for the pool tournaments that I've run. Everybody loves it when I run an event. It's like, yeah, you know, he he basically knows what it is that he wants, and if we don't like it, I tell him. He's like, hey, if you guys don't like it, there's the door. Get out. Yeah. You know, it, it's very, it's nice and simple. Don't come and bother me. But listen, Matt, man, again, a lot of fun as usual, dude. Thank you very much for coming on with me. Appreciate you having me. 
All right, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye now. See you guys next episode. Take care. This has been a KPB MediaWorks production.